What's up, y'all? This is wide receiver Deontay Simpson. This is cornerback Cam Johnson. Cornerback Deshaun Getty Jr. Senior forward Zachary Simmons, and you're listening to Bruins Breakdown, your home for North Texas sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Bruni's Breakdown, the 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Bruni, and with me, once again, is Colin Mitchell. Colin, how are you doing in McKinney currently? I think the more important question is, how are you doing after going to that game? Oh, Colin, so I I showed up to the game, and uh, it was obviously raining outside, if you saw my pregame video. I panned uh, the camera and it was it's, it was pouring rain outside like the entire day. Terrible weather. And I get there and I, I, I decided not to wear my dress shoes because it was raining. And I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to wear my casual, um, but still dress, nice shoes, but not, you know, mm-hmm. my dress shoes. So I get, I was like, all right, I waited for the rain to die down. Eventually it starts dying down. I get out. I'm like, all right, I'm good. I walk to the stadium and step in at least four deep puddles and my socks were soaked. Like the shoes, like obviously my shoes were soaked, but then the socks got soaked. And if y'all know, and if anyone knows that feeling of your socks being just wet, I had that for four hours. That, and that's a good, uh, that's a good analogy for the way the game went. Almost. That's exactly how this game felt too. <laughs> like like even socks. if I didn't have wet socks, that's how this game would have felt. But I had wet socks, and then obviously there was still some rain, so my shirt and pants got wet too and i pulled i just walked in there i'm just like this is ridiculous so not a great um not a great feeling then um and then i get home and you know i watch basketball lose and so now i'm doing this podcast with you kind of tired kind of uh still in your polo worn out in my polo it's kind of cold in my room so i put a jacket on wow i don't know what to say i don't don't know what to say my feet are still I've taken the socks off obviously and replaced them with fresh socks and my feet are still cold from the water. I don't know what to say. I don't know how this is well, possible. Well, I know what you need to say. You have 17 seconds Damn, to explain this game. So whenever you're right. ready, go ahead. You ready? Yeah. All right. 3 2 all right, so North Texas uh, got destroyed on the ground. Sincere McCormick ran for 251 yards, um, and North Texas didn't have a good quarterback at the entire game, and their defense was awful, and UTSA embarrassed them in the Alamo Dome. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it, man. That's that's all you need to know. Okay. That was disgusting. Wow, what a good that what a good about 14 seconds. That's that, there you go. That's that explains the whole game. Bruni had 17 seconds, and it's the lowest amount we've had to do. And he only needed 14 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> he only needed 14 seconds. And literally, there was only 17 seconds because A, Seth kicked a field goal on a fourth and four from like the 20 for no reason to cut it from like 28 to 25, the, the deficit. And then they scored a crap touchdown at the end. So that's the only reason it was 17 instead of like seven. Ridiculous. And Jalen Darden's the only reason they had seven in the first place. I know. Anyways, shout out the announcers for saying that if Jalen Darden wasn't on this team, that the team would still be good. I heard that. See, I, I didn't heard hear that multiple that. times on the broadcast. No, I didn't hear that. I didn't hear. That. I don't know if they that saw the offense was really good. I don't know if they heard the dro- saw the drops everyone had, but I don't know if they just saw everybody but Jalen Darden. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> all right, not to be too down, but yeah, let, let's let's get into this. Um, I'm very excited. I know people listening to this are probably not very happy. Um. But you know, why are you happy, Colin? Because I'm not. It's, I'm uh, not happy. But like, I think the, the last week's win, or I guess the last two weeks, two games, gave everyone hope that the team was good. When, like I said last week, that they played two very bad teams, and UTSA is a good team. UTSA like is... like, like coming into this game, if you thought that North Texas was going to be winning this game after they did after UTSA fought against BYU like they did. And has continued to show that they're a resilient team with a good defense and a great running back. Like I don't know what you thought. I don't, like I don't I just I I don't I don't know I don't know what anyone would have thought. Like, what what was your hope that Jason Bean was going to start to throw the ball or when Austin Audi came in when they're down three touchdowns was going to be able to you know not be shaken and have to come back three touch like like the positions that all these players are in with COVID 
and with the way the team is built and, you know, the coaching change on the defense and all the new players, like, this is literally set up for the worst possible North Texas season, and everyone just keeps coming back to this, te- this team's going to win this week. This team's going to win this week. UTSA, oh, yeah, rivalry, they got this. It's a rivalry game. Anything can happen. Well, you know what happened? They got killed 49-10 to 10 because the last touchdown doesn't count. That's what happened. The <laughs> you just disregard everything that I said. You're no, you're right. I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna connect the points. I'm gonna connect okay, the dots okay, here. Okay, okay. So the line was UTSA by five to start the week. Mm-hmm. And if you remember on the last podcast, I said UTSA will be a touchdown favorite, right? And throughout the week, the line kept going down and down and down, and it kind of goes to back to what you're saying is that people kind of convince themselves. That the UT, that the Rice and Middle Tennessee games showed a side of this team that they thought was consistent, and I want to say that you know I'm not big on like defending our takes or anything like that, but we did say last week we were pretty adamant that Rice let them run, Rice couldn't stop the run, and North Texas was able to stop Rice's run. Now we did say we hoped it was a sign of things to come. By no means did we guarantee it. And then we even took it a step further by predicting UTSA to win. Both of us predicting yeah. them to win. And we we also said they'd win close in a way. I mean, we didn't obviously. I had it by 10. I, I had it. What I, I, had, had, it, I had it worse than that, didn't I? I had it 34-24. I think you had it 31-28, something like that. Yeah, it was close. But I shouldn't have given them that much credit, I guess. See, and so then, um, but the whole time... If, if you look at the clip that I posted on Twitter with our podcast last week, it was they finally stopped someone. That's what I said, mm-hmm. quote unquote. I said they finally stopped someone. And throughout the week, I kept saying, I kept writing, I kept telling everybody I knew, UTSA isn't just someone. This year, they have dudes. Yeah. And they have a coach. A good coach. They have a culture. Yep. They play with certain physicality they play with a certain motor that they have not played with in years past those last three years that north texas won they haven't they haven't been the same utsa team that north texas faced this year and as a result we both predicted utsa to win and what does utsa do they go out and win now going back to my first point that the line kept going down throughout the week and by the time kickoff happened it was utsa was only a two-point favorite and that goes back to what you were saying is that people kept talking themselves into North Texas, whether they were a North Texas fan or not, they talked themselves into it, into North Texas. And the whole time I just couldn't believe what was happening. I couldn't believe where the line was. And eventually the game started and I was like, okay, maybe UTSA had some players out or something. Like maybe with, maybe they had a COVID situation, but they didn't. And Lo and behold, they had everybody, and North Texas had everybody as well. That's not there was no excuses. They had Deontay Simpson, they had uh, Tyreek Davis, they had everybody, except for I think Upton Stout. Like they had Deshaun Gaddy back. They had everybody, and it didn't matter. It just flat out did not matter. And as a result, North Texas was embarrassed. And I wrote it in my cider that I made VIP because it was kind of a column. This is let me let me get the exact quote. Let me get the exact stat because I have it in my notebook, but I'm not going to go get it. It's at the bottom right here. This loss to UTSA marks the North Texas' seventh loss by 21 or more points in the last 20 games. Seventh loss of 21 or more points in the last seven games. Hold on one second. Is that what you said? There's an ad that went off. All right, continue. Sorry. What'd you, what was the exact thing that you said? Seven, 21-point loss. The, this loss marks the seventh Lost by 21 or more points in the last 20 games. 20 games. Okay. Wow. So almost, so like 40%, over a third. 40% of your games are lost by 21 or more points in the last 20 games. And I didn't even include a loss by 18 in there. So if you want to make it 8 out of 20 for 18 or more, then you can do that too. And that's 40%. Like that was staggering to me. What a good and stat. It sh- <laughs> and it just, I don't know. It just showed me like, this is where we're at right now. Yeah. The wins are unimpressive. The wins are against bad teams. And the losses are embarrassing. Yes, and every single loss is at. embarrassing. 
Yes. So, I mean, I, I literally can't hold on. Let, let me go. I mean, you can name the losses this year and they're all embarrassing. Like we haven't, you talk about it all the time is that the, you, it depends how they play. Mm-hmm. Right. And this season, there hasn't been a loss where you're like, okay, well they at least did this, this, and this. Well, no, it's getting throttled by Charlotte by 28. It's losing to Southern Miss, a depleted Southern Miss team by 10. It's losing by 30 to SMU. And then you go to last year and it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Like the last good loss they had, and I don't want to say good loss because that kind of sounds kind of sounds weird, but the last loss they had where they played pretty well was Cal. And then before game that, what three. is it? And before that, is I don't know. Is it the La game where they lost by a field goal? Before that, you'd go obviously 2018, and that's probably probably that Latte game. Yeah, that one or the UAB game. Yeah, so that's that's what we're saying is that the wins are unimpressive and the losses are even worse, and that's where we're at right now. And so I think that's the point you have to make here before getting into anything else, before getting into any of the technicalities of this team and what this team has not done well. You have to basically say from an overall standpoint we have become accustomed to being let down. Yes. And that goes back to what I said about the uh, the the against the spread numbers. Remember those when mm-hmm. I did those? How bad they were? Mm-hmm. Like if you bet against North Texas the last like what 27 or 28 games, you'd be you'd be Rolling way up. Money. <laughs> you'd be way up. Now, another thing too to go to your point is that even when they were good, you know, it was always disappointing when they lost. You know what I mean? Like they they face a team on their what we what was perceived on their level, and then they just get embarrassed. Troy, uh, Utah State, obviously FAU. Mason got injured there. FAU in that conference championship game. FAU, pretty much every time except for the one time they beat them. Like SMU a couple years besides the year they won. Yeah, exactly. And and it's it's almost like there's a caveat for all of his wins. Like FAU, you know they had a bunch of roster turnover. That SMU won. Sunny Dykes first time head coach for or for that team. So it's like where are the impressive wins or where are the, the the good losses as you said as it does sound weird like where where are these because we don't have them and anytime they win it's like you're back on top of the world and then you just get let down even worse the next game i'm looking up utsa's schedule real quick because they have some impre- they have some good losses this year B- i mean, I mean BYU literally- was one of them there you go B- I mean, byu they lost to uab by eight they lost to army by 12 um, they did have a bad loss against FAU, but those other three losses are at least something. They're at least something. And not and, to mention the amount of quarterbacks that they played. Like they played yes, everybody, they played, and they've all gotten yeah. gotten injured as well. Yeah. No. Yeah. So that 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 gets into another point. But let's let's go back to this game specifically, because like I said, when you look at the just the numbers are just staggering. UTSA posts 624 yards of offense, 443 of which are on the ground. Um, they were eight to twelve on third downs. They were doing whatever they wanted, and North Texas put up a 400 yards of offense, which is not bad. Uh, 184 yards rushing, 217 yards passing. Um, a lot of those are just relying on a few big plays especially in the passing game where Jalen Darnett's that 75-yard touchdown and Deontay Simpson had a 31-yard uh, pass, I believe, late in the game. UTSA controlled the clock 35 minutes, over 35 minutes. Uh, they were 6-6 six six in the red zone. Um, they, just, they had three sacks. They had four tackles for loss. And, two uh, picks. Two picks. Like, you, you go down the list here, and it's just, it's just staggering. And... I thought it was pretty much summed up whenever Jalen Darden breaks the 75-yard touchdown, and then two plays later, 32 seconds later, Cynthia McCormick breaks the 65-yard touchdown run the other way. And you just knew it was like, all right. Completely untouched. Yeah, you just knew it. It was like, all right, they can't hang with them. But um, let's let's start with the offense, though. Mm -hmm. Um, Man, you go top to bottom, this was a bad showing. Uh, the running backs were probably the only semi-bright spot in that Oscar Attaway had a 15 carries for 101 yards. He is a, he's still very good, very, yes. very good. Uh, DeAndre Torrey, 12 carries, 54 yards. Uh, we even saw a little bit of Trey Series at the end, even though I know they've been limiting him uh, with his leg. But um, is it fair to say the running backs were the the lone bright spot 
Yeah, I mean, they didn't play bad or anything. It was just they can't they can't win you a game by themselves. So <laughs> there you exactly. go. There you go. Again, exactly. That's all you can say. They're exactly. Good. They're talented. They're still probably one of the best running back class or running back groups in the conference. But you can't win. You can't win with just running backs in this in football. Yeah. Um, I'll go to receivers next because we'll save the quarterback for the oh, end. I can't wait. I thought the the receivers played pretty horribly. Yeah, outside of Jalen. Yeah, Jalen even had that drop early on. Like he obviously yeah, made up for it. Yeah, he obviously made up yeah. for it. But I'm saying he had that drop early on. There, you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Then you had a uh, uh, Deontay Simpson with the drop in the end zone, or was that Austin? No, it was Deontay. Yeah, Deontay. Deontay. I mean that. I mean that literally went straight through his. Fingers. I think he had another drop too. I think he had two drops in the game. I don't remember wow. the other one. Um, and then I mean, yeah, I mean you're right. And then you only had two receivers catch anything outside of Pearl, I guess, but two actual yeah. receivers, not a tight end. Yeah, and so you you Jay threw Darden. you threw Jalen Darden you threw two Jalen Darden sixteen times. Like, <laughs> think about that: sixteen, then six to Deontay Simpson, twice to Oscar Attaway, uh, twice to Austin Agumik. Agum- Agumakin, and then you have a Jason Pirtle with three targets, and then one, a couple ones, and that's it. Like, it was just, like, trying to force it to Jalen Darden, whether he was open or not. Yeah, I was, that that fourth down play in North Texas had really kind of summed it up, where they, they ran that play they love running, where Jalen comes sweeping across, and then and turns back around and jets the other way as they snap the ball, and they try to hit him in the flat so we can get, like, two yards. UTSA was all over that. Yeah, UTSA saw that coming from my way. The outside linebacker played it perfectly, or whoever it was, plays it perfectly, tags him, gets him off the route, and lets the corner come down and, and mask him um, right afterwards. Like, they played that perfectly. It's just everything North Texas did on offense, UTSA was two steps ahead. Oh, yeah. And it was just – it was completely just a – it was a master class. A master class was, of how to be bad was, in offense. Yeah, it was <laughs> UTSA just completely just just dominated the game. All right, let's get into the quarterbacks because this is what everybody's talking about. This is what everybody wants to know, Colin. My favorite. Jason My Bean favorite. starts the game. Yep. <laughs> Jason Bean starts the game and starts off like one for six or one or one for seven or something like that before that J- Darden touchdown. And we think, all right, JD saved him again. That's oh yeah, I was me. I was very upset. I was like, yeah, they yeah they scored, but for what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, because we were we were both saying that it needed to be time. It needed to change. But JD scores the touchdown, and then uh, UTSA comes back and scores. And then I think that's when, uh, being through his second pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when he threw his second pick, and then UTSA goes and scores again to go up twenty-eight to seven. And that's when he came out. Mm-hmm. Finally, it took two picks. It took being down twenty-one points, but he finally came out of the game, and and not to just like that, that he started the game like one for seven for like no yards or whatever it was. Yeah, yes, no, yeah, no yards. And his completion was a uh, the the Jalen Darden pitch thing that the yeah. sweep just sweep type stuff. So it's not even a real completion. I mean, I've been saying this since the SMU game. It's like they when he's in the quarterback, they don't they want him to throw the ball, but he can't throw the ball. So, um, but hold on, well, let, let's let's finish out re- the recap of what these quarterbacks did. Then Austin Ani comes in, and he didn't look much better. I'm not I, I don't think he looked much better at all. He was inconsistent. He was throwing the ball around, and he had a fumble on one of those that was recovered. Um, he ends up going nine of nineteen for 115 yards, 15 yards, not good. Um, and then Jason Bean comes back in late in the game and closes it out. All of that being said, they combined to go 14 of 33 for 217 yards, two touchdowns, and two picks. Wow. Just And that includes a 75-yard touchdown. Wow. <laughs> like, I think I'm at the point, Colin, before we even get to who should start, before we should get to how um, Seth Luttrell's handling it, before we get to any of that, I am finally realized why we've been wrong so much. It's because we've been saying that there is an answer here. And the correct and there is an answer. But the answer is not what we thought it was. The answer is that both of these quarterbacks are not good. Yeah. And I don't I didn't realize that before. I mean, I realized I think we both knew that they weren't like 
good. I think we just thought that one would be better than the other. <laughs> yes, yes. But Austin Ani, obviously, it's kind of unfair to him to the way that they've been treating Bean, obviously, as the golden child and as the one to start every game. Every, there was no question of who was starting any game the last six weeks because, you know, the buys and whatnot. But there was no question. Mm-hmm. And then Bean goes out there and does what you and I both expected him to do, which is nothing. Mm-hmm. And then they throw Austin Ani in there, and lo and behold, Austin Ani can't come in and save your ass every time. Right, and I, we'll talk about this in a second, I guess, when we go into who should start. But it's hard to also judge Austin Ani's game, although yeah, he had really bad throws when he's being told, "Hey, bring us back from being down twenty-eight to seven, and we haven't done anything on offense." Like, it's unfair. But anyways, um, I'd also like to point out that that seventy-five-yard touchdown, which was Jason Bean's completion. Um, if you get rid of that, he had he was four of thirteen for twenty seven yards. Yeah, like. Yeah. And the thing <laughs> is, his other <laughs> touchdown came in garbage time. Yeah. So if you want to take or, that one away, then who even knows what that? I don't know how many yards that was. Yeah, like we're really talking. Jason Bean did literally nothing. Yeah. So three three besides the Jalen Darn touchdown. And again, that. you have to get, you have to credit the Jalen Darn touchdown because it happened and it was a it was a fine play. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, chance. You have to credit it, but 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 you, there is a if if he doesn't run, if Jalen Darden doesn't have lightning quick speed to run down that sideline, do they score on that drive? Like, let's be honest, do they score on that drive? <laughs> no. Right. Exactly. No. And and that's and that's the point. You need to have a quarterback that can sustain. And I'm not saying Ani can do it. I mean, I don't know at this point, but I'm saying like you got to have a quarterback that can that can keep you in drives and keep you in games. And every time I feel like Bean's been bailed out for like an extra series or an extra two series, and then it's too far gone or or whatever, you know, and it's just like, man. And this is what this is what we've been saying. If you have to change quarterbacks in the middle of the game against a good team, it's gonna be too late. Yep. I've said that every single freaking podcast. Every time they change quarterback, it's just I'm I'm beating a dead horse right now and saying that, and I can't believe that we're at the point that we're at right now. Like I wrote I wrote that story saying that Oni should be the starter seven weeks ago. Yep. <laughs> and here we are, watching Jason Bean try to be Austin Oni, and that gets into the next point. If Jason Bean is your guy, make Jason Bean your guy and design the offense around him. Yep. Because this offense is not designed for Jason Bean. It's exactly what I said last week. This offense was designed for Austin Ani. I did not. There were no before Austin Jason Bean got pulled the first time. There were very few, if any, design quarterback runs. Very few, if any, quarterback read options. Very few, if any, rollouts like quarterback draws. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And as a result, you have Jason Bean standing in the pocket like he's Mason Fine, not moving, like literally taking a four or five step drop and trying to make throws. And his arm is not strong enough. He's not accurate enough. And he's not poised enough to make those throws. And Austin Ani, again, was not good, but he is the one who can make those throws out of those two. Yes. Now, if you want, and if they were running Jason Bean type plays, because Jason Bean is obviously fast and can do things with his legs, but if they were running Jason Bean type plays, then I would say, okay, just leave Jason in because this is what your offense is. But what Jason's doing is not what their offense, like what Jason is good at is not what their offense is. Right. You can't throw it around. No, you you can't. And I, I don't understand why we're still having this conversation. It's because... And it goes back to your initial point in that they are really fooling themselves that Rice and Middle Tennessee, those wins matter when they don't. <laughs> they don't. Right. What do I tell you as a Lions fan? What did I tell you the past four weeks? The Lions are not good. I don't care that they were four and five. I know. I mean, I I, I knew that, but you know. Yes, no, I know you know that, but I'm saying somebody some might might see the four and five record and be like okay well they're not bad oh yeah this year. they're quote unquote in the hunt just like north texas yeah, is in they're, the quote they're there. West, west championship hunt but then you look at their if you actually watch the games then you know no and it's this north texas team it's the same yep. thing if you watch these games you know what's the problem and the problem is not getting fixed 
Yep. And so here we are. It's, it's unbelievable to think that this team has played seven games and they had a four week break in that time. Not to mention during that four week break time, Aust- or not Austinoni, Jason Bean was the known starter that whole time. And like, yes, into there was your never point, a question. And to your point, where was the the change in the offensive style or the offensive scheme at all during that time? Nothing changed. It started the exact same way the SMU game started. And if you remember then when I said Jason Bean attempted like no passes in the first six snapped, but they were all dropbacks and he was getting sacked, he was throwing it away or he was trying to run. It's the same thing. He's dropping back and his eyes drop or he's panicked and, and runs around. And this isn't, again, because I think Jason Bean could be fine with an offense that was tailored to his game. But him and Austin have been done a disservice because they've continued to flip-flop and they've continued to say that this offense suits them both. And it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. Like, it doesn't. They, they You can say, Seth has said multiple times, they have very similar skill sets, you know? Uh, they can both kind of... Austin can kind of run... Uh, even and Jason's fast and Austin can has a big arm and Jason can kind of throw. That's basically what he said. I hate to break it to you, Seth, but those are very different offenses you're describing right now. Like there's a reason Lamar Jackson and the Ravens run the hell out of the ball, mm-hmm. right? And there's a reason why Patrick Mahomes throws the ball 50 times a game. Like they both can do other things, but you gotta play to their strengths. And this is not Jason's strength. Yeah, I mean you're preaching to the choir. To go to the final point I have here for the quarterbacks, okay. and then I and then you can uh, add on whatever you want. We saw what an offense designed around a quarterback looks like tonight in the Alamo Dome. I don't want to say designed around a quarterback, but t- tailored to to the quarterback, mm-hmm. like molded to the quarterback, to where Frank Harris turned around and handed the ball off thirty eight times. I obviously they were winning a lot, so that made it easier. But he was 17 of 20 in the first half, passing and 19 of 24 for the game. Two touchdowns, 144 yards, no picks. He probably only completed. Uh, well, he completed 19 passes, and those passes probably only went for. Let me see. 8.6 yards per completion. And you you look at that, you're like, damn, that's a low number. Like that's that's nothing. Pretty much, right? North Texas averaged 15.5 yards per completion, which is where it's been at for most of the season. But Frank Harris looked comfortable. Yep. Not to mention, and Frank Harris is not that good at rushing. What was that? He had 113 yards rushing as well for a touchdown. Yeah. And that's a quarterback that looked comfortable. Yep. The throws were easy, the reads were easy. He could run when he needed to. They they had quarterback draws on several occasions. A 71-yard run and a touchdown were both QB draws for him. Um, they played to his strength. He was able to keep on whenever he wanted. Like They gave him freedom in that regard, and throws were pretty damn easy. And that is what an offense looks like when the quarterback is in control and knows, and the coaches put him in position to be successful. And I remember saying earlier this season that Charlotte, I wanted this North Texas offense to play like Charlotte's offense because Chris Reynolds was kind of kind of mobile and could throw a little bit, but then they relied on the run game. Again, UTSA did the same thing Charlotte did. They made the game easy. They ran the ball well. And when they didn't run the ball, they made it easy on Frank Harris. So I just don't understand how Seth Luttrell can, can watch Frank Harris complete 19 of 24 passes I don't. I don't care about his running at all. I care about his the passing because mm-hmm. that was just easy on his part. No, yeah, you're right. You're completely right. Um, I guess the only other thing that I can add, are we gonna go into who should start after this? You can go into it right now. Who do you want to start? Well, I know who's gonna start, and I know who I want to start. Um, do, do you think? Okay, I mean, I think we both know who we we are going to pick to start after we just said all that. Like yeah, we think Austin yeah. should start. Yes. We, I still think Austin should start the throws that he did complete were throws that Jason Bean didn't even attempt. Um, obviously he overthrew Darden a lot. And again, that's because of the position he was put in. However, Seth Luttrell bringing in Jason Bean in garbage time after Austin Ani was just, I mean like, why would you, why take him out? You're not coming back. Just like shows to me that, okay, well Austin's not our guy, I guess just back to Jason, Jason time again. 
and and why you know like if you're gonna if you're gonna say that both quarterbacks can play like you said both of them can fit the system blah 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 blah. if jason had that bad of a game similar to how austin had that same game which gave up his starting spot why would you put jason in with like five minutes left in the game and not give austin a chance to prove that he can do it next game and instead you put jason in and you go okay well i guess i guess we're running with him again like you told they, you they, told the guy out there who hasn't started in seven weeks to come back down twenty eight to seven and do whatever you can to do that, and then took him out because he couldn't do that. <laughs> like that's what happened. <laughs> like that's exactly what happened. He didn't have a turnover. He did fumble it once. He only went nine and nineteen. I understand that, but if you take away the seventy five yard touchdown, Jason Bean has twenty seven yards. <laughs> like it's 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 mind boggling to me. How this is a decision. And again, I'm not trying to hate on Jason Bean. Like you said, if they were to tailor the offense for him, fine. But if you still want to throw it, I mean you have one option. I mean you do. That's that's your option. If you want if you want to have Jason Bean, you gotta run the ball in a variety of different ways. Do what Army does. I mean, that would work a lot better than what this is doing for Jason Bean. Because Jason can run. Everyone knows that. UTSA knew that. So when you run the when you run the ball three times with a running back and then you have Jason Bean drop back and try to make throws when you have, you know, seven people in coverage. Like, what do you want Jason to do? <laughs> like, what do you want him to do? They have a spy. They have everyone else covered. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's been, there's been no uh, doubt in my mind that they're going to continue to roll with Jason. And yeah. I, I mean, when, just... when Jason came back in, you, everyone knew. At least, yeah. At least we knew. They, they're going to continue to force force the hand they're going to continue to to play jason i would assume that's because they assume they think they hope that he has higher upside maybe next year uh which can be debated obviously i don't know if that's true but playing him next playing him next game against louisiana tech who again is just as good as utsa um is it's just it's going to be the same thing it's gonna be the same thing yep. over and again, over again. Oh, we're gonna yep. see the same thing, and we're gonna have, come on this podcast and yell and scream and say the same exact thing we're saying right now. It's, that's time. what it is. <laughs> so, I, 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 I can't, I can't say anything else about about this offense. And I don't think the play calling was good. I don't think. Um, I still can't believe you kicked that field goal down twenty, down twenty eight, especially after going just, down, uh, going for it on fourth earlier. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I I would have loved if he was just stayed stayed aggressive. They were one of three on third fourth downs, but I mean, I didn't have a huge problem with. Yeah, I mean, you're down yeah. so much. Why does it matter? Exactly. Um, a lot, before we move on, I just want to say one more thing. It's not really regarding the quarterbacks. How much more has this put Seth in the proverbial hot seat going into next year? Obviously. I I don't I don't. I still think it's it's not that warm. Like on a scale of one to ten, I'd still say it's like a three. Mm-hmm. Like I I would take it would take losing these last two games to bump him up to like a four or five going into next year. Um, but I think I think he's at a three right now. I think he's 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 fine right now. Like I, he's getting paid too much money. He's they 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 love him too much. I think. Rend, uh, as far as Rend and all the athletic department, the boosters and everything. Uh, again, that could change if they lose these next two games in unflattering fashion, and then they go in the next season and get ran. Then we're talking very differently at week five of next year. Yeah, and we have this conversation. Okay, but we'll see. All right, to the defense, Colin. Um, a side of, of the ball that was probably equally as bad to the offense, but you know. All quarterbacks get the get the get the spotlight. So let's talk about the defense. Obviously, like I said, Frank Harris killed them. Sincere McCormick killed them. Uh everybody killed them. Joshua Cephas killed them. Frank Harris, man, he played really well. Mm-hmm. Like he made some throws. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> so I, I, I've seen probably three or four UTSA games this year. He has not thrown the ball that well. And that was just surprising to me. But uh, we can start with the secondary, though, because good Lord, did they get lit up. Um, you had John Davis out there. You had Quinn Whitlock out there. Both of those two were 
in man for a lot of the game. Cam said that they were basically, you know, obviously trying to stop the run, so it left them on man for a lot of the game. And uh, let's just say Frank Harris was not throwing two covered receivers, except for those two fades, I guess. Yeah. Like, they were open, and they were open because they were going to beat on man man routes. Like, it's it wasn't anything crazy. Uh, they didn't have a lot of safety help behind them, so it kind of looked like some Troy Reffitt-type defense where, you know, they came down and stopped the run, and they played man on the outside without a lot of safety help over the top, so the corners had to back up in order to not get beat over the top. So they gave up a lot of underneath stuff. But when you're playing Frank Harris, I feel like the emphasis should be make him make throws. Mm -hmm. And again, he didn't have to make many throws. Like they were easy for him. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure where to start with the defense just because it was kind of a team effort here. But you have to start with the run defense. And we said coming into the game that since him, I, I said – before the game that this was going to decide the game and lo and behold i was right would you look at that yeah uh like 251 251 yards 23 attempts uh two touchdowns a 65 yard run um first running back in utsa history to hit 200 yards by the way in a game so uh there's that um i mean yeah i mean it it starts up i don't it was just a collective defense as a whole i mean if, if you can't stop the run with Deion Noville or your linebackers, then you're going to have to try to do more and bring down the safeties. And if that can't stop it, then it's going to make throws easy for Frank Harris. I mean, it's just one big just problem. Another thing that I had worried about coming into the game, but I didn't say it, was I had, I had concerns that the last two games we saw Deion Noville and the Murphy brothers play really well. Mm-hmm. I was concerned because UTSA now had two games worth of Tate. film yep. to go up against Deonoville and the Murphy brothers. And uh, I can pull up the tackles, but I don't think they were in the top. All right, here we go. Here's the stats. Deonoville ended up with four tackles, no tackles for loss. Grace Murphy ended up with three tackles, no tackles for loss. And where's Gabriel Murphy? Gabriel Murphy, four tackles, one tackle for loss. Mm-hmm. And it was that sack with uh with Katie Davis. Mm-hmm. It gets I don't want to say it gets predictable, but they're not good enough. Not uh though not just those three, but the defense as a whole is not good enough to come at you in different ways. Right? The personnel right. is not good enough to to oh no, here comes Larry Nixon. Oh no, here comes you know, Kevin Wood, here comes Deshaun Gaddy, and so on and so forth. Uh, those guys are all good at what they do, but they're not going to surprise you. And that's the thing about this defense is that they're very one-dimensional in in what and they do and how they do it. And in, and in experience, which makes it even worse. But, I mean, I've always been – how do I say this? I've always been one to say that the defensive personnel is not necessarily bad. This defense is not bad personnel-wise. I think Katie Davis is a good linebacker. I think Cam Johnson's a good corner or safety. I think that um, Deshaun Gaddy is a good corner slash safety. I think the Murphy brothers are good. I think Deion is good. But once you play someone else that's good, it's how do you counter that? And this defense has shown time and time again that they can't counter things whenever what they want to do doesn't work. And you can say that's coaching, obviously, but as a coach, if you know so-and-so can't do this well, but they can do this well, then what kind of position does that put you in whenever that person doesn't do what they do well, well against the team? (laughs) Yeah. No, you're right. I, I I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, but. I mean, you're just saying that like if you have a player like Deshaun Gaddy, or sorry, we'll do we'll do Katie Davis. You have a player sure. like Katie Davis and Tyreek Davis who's very fast, but are they going to be able to do what EJ Gia did and get to the quarterback? Exactly. And ver- the answer yeah. is no. I mean, they just not. That's not the way they played. It's not their game. Like, similar to how it's not Jason Bean's game to pass. And yes. the only difference is is that when something doesn't work, how are you going to change it if they just can't do it? Like, like, are we going to really sit here and be like, okay, yeah, you know, 
Frank Harris didn't have to make a lot of throws. Well, if you can't have your corners press and man. You just want him to go over the top every time and just blow blow the coverage, or would you rather give up yeah. the ten yards and hope that something messes up somewhere else down the line? Um, so, I mean, yes, we can we can blame it on Bowen, but I don't think it's like you said. I think it's more personnel in the way that their strengths don't really necessarily match up with what they want to do, and that's it's hard because bone didn't have time to change the things that he wanted to go to. So like they didn't, like you said, have fall camp, didn't have, you know, really anything to really prepare anybody. So they kind of went in and then threw a bunch of freshmen out there. Yeah. And, um, they had to play Lorenzo Thompson at corner, a few snaps. He had three tackles. He For those who don't know, he's a wide receiver, <laughs> freshman, true freshman receiver. I talked to cam earlier this week and, um, before the rice game, he was actually going to start. But then they got John Davis back late. And so John Davis started instead of Lorenzo. But like that's that's where we're at right now. Yeah. Without Upton Stout. Like we're we're at this point right now. And like you said, the the, the experience is lacking. The I'm saying that the versatility is lacking. I just don't I don't see a way in which this defense can go up against good teams like UTSA, mm-hmm. um, like a Louisiana Tech. Thank God they didn't play UAB, but like those type of teams. Um, I sorry, be fine. Uh, no, I brought ahead. this up a couple weeks ago. This is the worst defense since the 2015 defense. How much of this is, how much of this defensive performance this season is blamed on coaching versus personnel? We asked this question last year between Troy Reffitt and the personnel. How much? What's the difference this time? How much of it's? Coaching? I would raise it this time because of the inexperience. Mm-hmm. Because last year there was a lot, there was a lot of experience on the team that we had seen guys do things well. But and then you know last year obviously whenever things started going wrong they became predictable and they became you know easy to plan against and one dimensional as well. This year they're one dimensional, but it's not just because. Like, I mean, if you go down the list of experienced guys like Cam, Katie, and obviously you've had players in and out of the lineups as mm-hmm. well. So you have Cam, Katie, Tyreek. Dion. Dion. And that's pretty much it. Like, unless you count Larry Nixon, which I don't, or Mikhail Sanders, which, I mean, I guess you could. Um, like, I, I don't I don't count those guys. And so it's it's tough because I, you have so much inexperience, you have so so many positions that are reliant on guys being, you know, breaking out. Like the Murphy brothers, you need them to break out and be great. Kevin Wood, you need him to break out, be great. Devontae McRae, same thing. Um, but at the end of the day, they are who they are at this moment, and they are not able to do multiple things really well. And so that's what's your percentage. The defense has. So, um, I think UTSA has an identity right now that really, really helps their defense, and that they are really flying to the ball. Mm-hmm. Like any game I watch from UTSA, they are flying to the ball. They're hitting people. They're led by Rashad Wisdom in the back end, and he doesn't have like, you know, wonderful games, but he hits people and he's a leader. Um, they just, they just, they have a different vibe about them. UTSA does. And that's that's the concerning part is that this North Texas defense does not have a, a persona about them right now. And maybe they'll get there next year when they get a little more experience and they get a lot of people back. But at this moment, they are a void of any type of swagger. And that did I don't care how they did against Rice and Middle Tennessee. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes moving forward. But I don't know. I don't know what else to say um, about this defense. Not not to mention that they also aren't on. They're on the field a whole lot because of the True. offense. I mean, they had a time of possession was 24 to 35. Obviously, that is um, not good. (laughs) And, you know, especially early whenever you, you know, don't score for the first three drives. Like, it's just you're wearing out your defense early and then they have to play, you know, when they're getting scored on, you know, 20 to 7 or whatever it is because of picks or turnovers or whatever else. So um, that's obviously not helping either. Crazy thing is they had North Texas had four three and outs. Four three and outs. They had two picks that didn't. Um, also, so you're looking at six drives that were short. Six drives that were two minutes or less. Mm-hmm. Like that's crazy. Uh, North Tech, uh, UTSA didn't have a single three and out. Not a single one. Yeah, it and went, it went punt, punt, field goal, 
touchdown, 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 punt, touchdown. <laughs> and there's your half. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like, dang. It just, it just, it was amazing. I, I, I can't, I couldn't believe it. But I'm, I don't know. I'm at a loss for words right now. I, I don't know what to say. I'm going to, I don't know what else we can talk about. The special teams was fine. Ah, man. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm tired, but what, what else can we talk about here? I mean, what else is there to talk about? What, There's, you, did we talk we, enough we about sit, Seth? We can sit here and be like, I mean, I, I guess that is a point. We need, I think we should talk about. Um, about what? I would say the stubbornness, not just for the quarterbacks, but just the way that they've played. Not even just this year, but up to this point, it's as a package. Well, we know we've known Seth is, is a stubborn guy, right? But I mean, like, at what point do you change? <laughs> what define change? Uh, what, style? Not necessarily style, but like, why are you so stubborn about starting Bean, or why are you so stubborn about not changing your your whatever your uh? play style or I guess scheme in a way to fit Bean if you want to go with him secondly why are plays so predictable why do you run the ball three times in a row and then drop back with Bean like uh, you know where's the creativity you had at the very first play of the game and it blew up so then you didn't do it again <laughs> like um, yeah. why didn't you go for it again on fourth down after you went for it twice earlier so I mean I think those are all questions that fans have especially because you know they they see the same like it's like it's like you and I if you and I are sitting here going like okay they're going to do this yeah like what what is UTSA doing they're like oh yeah they're definitely doing this they're sitting on the field calling out plays yeah yeah no it's 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 definitely a concern um they need to win one of these last two games desperately and if they lose both of them they'll be 3 and 6 with without and they would have lost the other three games that they played. Yeah, like think about that. You have you. They didn't play Houston. They didn't play A and M, and they didn't play UAB. Arguably, their three best teams on their schedule. Yep. And and I don't. And I'm I'm not trying to sit up here, and I don't think you are, obviously, to sit up here and say like this team was going to win a bowl game or get to a bowl game. Um, I, we pre- both predicted them. I think you had them at five wins. I had them at six, or it was four and yeah. five, or something like that. Yes, five and six. But like we knew that they were going to be there was going to be growing pains, and we knew that they had a possibility to be bad. So like if even if they did play every game and they only got three wins, how did they lose those games? And like you said, I always talk about this, but if you're getting blown out like forty nine to seventeen, and you're beating a really bad Middle Tennessee team, and you, you know, wave your flag and say, "Oh yeah, we're winning games," and that's the constant theme. <laughs> yeah, like you guys aren't playing right. Yeah, the the standards are are, are weird right now. Yeah. I, I know that they preach them, you know, we want to make bowl games, we want to win bowl games, we want to win championships, all that good stuff. Go ahead. I was going to say, and that's fine to say, and that's fine to do, but your players obviously aren't responding. Like, UTSA has been bad, right? Last year they lost 45-3, to and they fired the coach. Not saying Seth needs to be fired at this point, but I'm saying, like, players will play hard, and it just looks like like some some plays or whatever, like, what what is – what is making them to where they're giving up, you know, record yardage a game or what is making it to where whatever else. And I think that it's just, I don't know. I, I mean, no, I don't know. I don't know. You're you're right. I mean, <laughs> we're, talk, we're talking about a UTSA team who opened the season with Texas state and Stephen F. Austin and Stephen F. Austin held them to 24 points, lost 24 to 10. And let me see how many yards they gave up to since McCormick. Gave up 98 yards on 19 carries to Cynthia McCormick. Yeah, like that's Stephen F. Austin. No, yeah, and and like and I, I never like to say this, like players aren't playing hard because I mean I don't I don't think they're not playing hard, but like yeah. there are bad teams where you look at them like in the NFL, the Giants for example. Everyone knows they're bad, but they play really hard, and yeah. everyone knows they play really hard. Yeah, and yep. it's like okay, the coach is building something there. Where is where is the the building of this new culture post Mason Fine post Jalen Guyton post Rico Bussy, like where where is that where is that going to come from? Because obviously it hasn't come and it doesn't seem like it's coming anytime soon. And that's where they're relying so much on the classes of 2019 and 2020. 
it's almost scary how much they're relying on the, those two classes, how much they're relying on the um, Oscar Attaway, the Kevin Wood, the Deshaun Gaddies, all those guys. Quinn, um, I'm sorry, not Quinn, but like uh, Upton Stouts, you know, everybody. Mm-hmm. They're relying on the, those two classes so heavily to come save this program. And when you we're say not save, be able to know. when you say save, what do you mean by that? I mean, save this program as in bring them back to nine win seasons. You think they are on that? Like we're never going to win another night win season for a long time, right now. Right now, yeah. But that's what I'm saying is that these 2019-2020 classes are the ones for them that they're saying, "Come save us." Yeah, the Murphy brothers, come save us. Mm-hmm. That's what they're doing right now, and that's what that's the position they're in. And obviously, they'll continue to get good recruiting classes, but those are the two that are going to have to save them. And it goes back to our conversation. If you want to go back even further, which I'll, I guess we'll, we'll end with is that I, we remember having the conversation over a year ago about, you know, this, this shouldn't be a gap year or this, this is the gap year, but last year should not have been a bad year because you have a bad year and now you're entering a gap year and then you're moving forward. This is the gap year. And I, there honestly, there's not even any um, uh, eligibility, but uh, eligibility losses, I should say. But now we're looking at this team and we're looking at this coach as you have to do something next year. Mm-hmm. You have to. And I I know there's two games left, but that's the point we're at right now is where they have to do something that ne- next year. And you also have to win one of these last two games just to save face, just to save face. I mean, you could just lose. I don't care if they lose to La Tech, but as long as they don't lose 49 to 17 and the game's over in the first quarter, like... <laughs> Like, then I'm fine. Like, since Sam McCormick was six minutes left in the first half, had over, had like 160 yards. Yeah. Like, what are, what are we doing? Yeah. It's not, how, yeah. It's not that they lose. It's it's how they lose. Yep. And it's not good. All right, Colin, anything else before I wrap it up? I'm good. All right. Well, I'm going to go finish watching the basketball game, and maybe we'll do a podcast on that tomorrow. But until then, um, thank you all for joining us. Uh, follow us on Twitter at MingGreen247, at CJH Mitchell, at Matthew Bruni underscore. Um, so subscribe to MingGreen247. We're still doing our 75% off deal through Monday. So go check that out. We have VIP content coming, you know, multiple times a week. You know, all the good stuff of football and basketball. I'll probably have a breakdown of the stuff I see in the basketball game on uh, a VIP post. Just some notes. Check out my recap. Um, Hey. Check out Colin's recap <laughs> on there. That's not VIP, but Colin wrote a recap. Uh, so check that out on the site as well. And subscribe to us on Apple and follow us on SoundCloud at Bruni's Breakdown Podcast. And leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple. We greatly appreciate it. We're still at 40 review or ratings, I should say, and we want to get up to 42. 42. You had to set it that low? 45. There we go. Let's go by fives. Come on. All right, we want to get to 45, so help us out. Send it to your friends. We greatly appreciate it. So for Colin Mitchell, for Maya Mitchell, I'm Matthew Bruni. We'll talk to you all later.